Throughout this season, we've learned about the past and present of the food and beverage industry. We've heard how changing consumer habits have evolved the sector, how the use of space has been transformed, and we've learned about the critical role staff play in our favourite restaurants. But in our final episode, we're going to look beyond the present day to ask our experts what's in store for the future of the food and beverage industry. But personalization, I think, is, is going to be what consumer will expect. So restaurants will be able to collect more data to understand their customers better. So I think customer will be more demanding in terms of what they want to hear from a venue. They won't necessarily want to be targeted for irrelevant campaigns. So restaurants will have to have the right tool to collect the data, analyze it, and then segment their customer base to engage in the right way with them. This is Beyond Retail the show that helps businesses make sense of the emerging trends and technological developments within the ever-changing landscape of the retail and hospitality industries. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. In this season, we explore the food and beverage industry's taste for change. We investigate how the sector has adapted amidst the challenges of a post-COVID society and how it's continuing to evolve in response to new societal pressures and changes. In our final episode of the series, we'll be asking the experts about the trends and technologies that are set to continue modernizing the food and beverage space, making it fit for the consumers of the future. The F&B sector, as we've heard throughout this series, isn't just about providing food and drink to the population. It's a business of building experiences. Experiences that bring people together and keep customers coming back for more. Today, we're going to find out how the sector will continue to innovate in order to keep delivering top-notch service. Because the food and beverage industry isn't just commercially valuable, for consumers, it's a cornerstone of society. Oh, very important. I think it provides entertainment, it provides opportunity for socialisation, opportunity to try different things. Yeah, I think it's really important. We go out for dinner and drinks quite regularly with our friends as well, so having lots of different restaurants, bars, etc., around, I think is always helpful. And good for the communities as well. It's very important. I think that's the best thing about London, having all the different cuisines and having everything accessible as well through delivery services, like on high streets. The British public certainly has a special place in its heart for food and beverage businesses. And that's no surprise, considering hospitality's role in society and the fact that the industry provided a valuable lifeline for many during the pandemic. But how will it evolve over time alongside consumer trends? Here to explain what this relationship between brand and consumer might look like in the future is the CEO and co-founder of Storekit, Christophe Delacroix. First though, how have consumer needs changed in recent years? And how has the F&B industry adapted? From what we see, businesses really drive card in general, and consumers don't seem to push back. When I started working in this space six, seven, eight years ago, when we were looking at the, the tender type split for a restaurant in central London, it would be around 50-50 cash and card for a coffee shop. And then if you'd go to a more high-end restaurant, it would go towards 70-80% card, and the rest was still cash. And today, uh, you ask Pizza Pilgrims, what's the proportion of cash? And it's like less than 5%. So that transition has happened quite quickly uh, in terms of like pushing cash away. So now Apple Pay, 
appeared, obviously, or got democratized, I would say, in the last two, three years. And again, I'm not taking my wallet anymore, right? And I think a growing number of people are, are doing that now. And you can pay on your car terminal, but you can also pay on the digital store and pay instantly. I think customers like this. As soon as they've adopted the technology, they do like this, and you don't need much convincing as a business to make them use it. So customers want convenience. They want speed. I think they want uh, flexibility and they will maybe want to behave in, in different ways depending on how they feel on that specific day or how the venue is. If you're in a bad mood, maybe you don't want to talk to a waiter. <laughs> you'll be very happy to use your phone. If you're with, uh, for instance, a large group of friends, you'll be very happy to stay with them in the moment and order quickly from your phone rather than queuing for half an hour at the bar. So I think these kind of things are what people expect today, consumers expect. I think lots of operators still are still wrapping their head around that. I've seen operators trying a QR code system, saying, oh, that doesn't work, and then moving back to a queuing system, which I think defies logic a little bit. But they face operational challenge and they, they sometimes think, well, the old, old ways are probably what people want. I think the new generation like the millennials that are now coming, becoming the high spenders, right, are completely ready to actually embrace this type of technology. So when it comes to adopting new technology, customers seem quite happy to go along with the latest advances, especially if there's an improvement in convenience for them. But what does convenience mean to the consumer? And with some technologies like QR codes seemingly removing the human element in restaurant interactions, how can brands ensure they maintain high levels of customer service? I think that we all want good service. We don't all define service in the same way. Again, I think it depends a little bit where you are and what your expectations are. To be very frank, I think lots of operators, like a large proportion of operators are deluded with their service level. Service is, I think for customer, is this idea of speed, convenience, staying in the moment with their friends, enjoying good food, as well as chatting with the waiter. I think from a, the business needs to make sure that the logistics of the food is good, the experience is great, that the food is coming fast enough. And I think that's really about it. And then they, they need to make sure that their staff have the right touch points with the guests when they arrive in the middle, when they leave. We see lots of operators resolutely saying we don't want to implement technology because we are a hospitality business and that's inherently a human experience and people don't come to see us, you know, to use their phones. There's obviously truth in this, but there is an opportunity to actually use technology and actually double down on customer engagement and talking. It doesn't come without a challenge for the operator. It's change management. Like how do you change behavior and how do you reinvent the way you talk to customers? If you just say, oh, well, you can order there on a QR code or you can order for a human if you prefer, like, you know, that's probably not the way you should present it. But if you find the right way to present it to the customer and make them understand that it's there for their convenience and they don't have to use it, then I think it's a win-win for both sides. Implementing new technologies, even for the purpose of improving experience, isn't as simple as switching the solution on and expecting customers to run with it. First, there needs to be an obvious use case for the technology that customers recognise. Then, brands need to use clear messaging to present the technology, while still catering to more traditional purchasing and ordering methods during the transition. 
And a couple of areas where technology has, and still is, making leaps in advancing the right way are the ordering and delivery space. Delivery and ordering demand has been quite constantly growing, I would say. Obviously, there are many, many platforms out there offering these types of service, and I think they're all doing quite well. So I think there's a demand from businesses to be able to serve their customers digitally, for sure. We've seen a lot of cool things are run by venues like pop-up restaurants or pop-up menus or, you know, special items where you can pre-order your items. So you have to log in at 9 a.m. that day and you can get this amazing cake for the week after. Uh, we've seen a lot of that happening more and more. And I think digital uh, obviously allows them to take pre-orders and have things like virtual queuing systems effectively. So we've built quite a lot of features around enabling these operators to sign up, create their store, make it look really cool on their brand and kind of engage with, with customers in, in, in this way, connect to Instagram or partnering with influencers and kind of enabling that ecosystems of influencers operator technology to drive traffic effectively and, and demand to a specific uh, operator. That's one example of how technology is helping now. But what about the future? What technologies does Christoph see advancing the food and beverage space in the years to come? Hospitality has a lot to catch up with, right? So there's already many technologies that are that are there ready to adopt. I think, of course, digital ordering, potentially kiosk in the, the more QSR environment, I think more automation is what we can expect. I'm not super clear yet on how AI will really help uh, in restaurants, but I think we'll see personalization. That's clearly a trend. So for instance, being able to, if you're a vegan, see only vegan items on, on the menu and kind of filtering that way, your menu is probably something that's going to, uh, uh, that people will expect. Click and collect as well. Customers have, I think, a more conscious one that restaurants have to pay high fees to deliver in Uber Eats. I think they're also uh, budget conscious. As they try to save money, they can see the opportunity to to save on delivery costs by coming to pick up somewhere. So I think venues should, in general, be equipped to take uh, orders from a platform. And when it comes to the consumer of the future, how does Christoph foresee their needs and expectations changing? Personalization, I think, is is going to be what consumer will expect. So um, restaurants will be able to collect more data to understand their customers better. So I think customers will be more demanding in terms of what they want to hear from a venue. They won't necessarily want to be targeted for irrelevant campaigns. So restaurants will have to have the right tool to collect the data, analyze it, and then segment their, their customer base to engage in the right way with them and personalize. So customers are going to expect better tailored experiences, whether they're being served in person or digitally through an app. But whatever the channel, brands will only be able to provide these improved levels of personalization if they adopt the right techniques. We've heard how technology might rise to meet the challenge of consumers' ever-changing needs in the digital and restaurant space. But how might restaurants themselves continue to adapt? Here to explain and give us an insight into the development of restaurant spaces over the years is Director of Strategy and Development at Crown Creative, David Carafano. One of the biggest things that's changed over the last 10 years, and even pre-pandemic, there really was a sense of creating comfort and safety and 
security in the way that restaurants were designed, right? Because first and foremost, when you're in a restaurant, you want to feel safe, right? That's sort of the most primary thing that you can do. And I think the pandemic really uh, furthered that notion. But I think that was a trend, you know, even before that all happened. And then following that, there's a lot of different results of that, right? There's more approachability. There's more comfort. There's less stuffiness. uh, There's more approachability and design um, familiarity so that people can walk into a space and feel comfortable, you know, whereas previously there was a lot of stiffness and almost coldness to the way restaurants were were designed, especially fine dining restaurants. Um, It was never about the design. It was about the food. But uh, over the last 10 years, the design is, is equally as important as the food itself, if not even more important. I think there's other trends, you know, things like the pandemic really opened up this world uh, even more to outdoor dining, rooftops, patios, creating spaces outdoors that didn't exist before. And I think that'll continue as well. I think there's other a few other things, you know, the way that bars are designed, you know, bars are bigger, more people, a bigger experience around the bar. I think obviously, that's where restaurants make their make their money is around the bar. So putting more emphasis and design into the bar and, and what that experience could be and, and accommodating more people means selling more drinks, which means making more money. For sure, that's always been you know something that we're constantly thinking about as well. So much in the same way that restaurants have been able to augment their use of technology and their approach to creating experience over the years, they've been able to adapt their physical spaces to changing needs too. It's something that is sort of a chicken or egg and a push and pull when designing spaces. And honestly, it has to be a bit of both. I think they have to work in tandem. You know, things like where do you put waiter stations? Where do you put entries to the kitchen? Where do you put entrances for the guest? The flow of the tables. You know, all of these things have an impact on the way that a restaurant operates in a way that the experience is for the guests. So they're they're kind of one and the same. You know, we're we're designers, I'm a designer, so we want to make things as big and beautiful and extravagant and, you know, luxurious or whatever term you want to use to really maximize the experience. But then you do have to look at the operations and, and fold that into the experience as well. You know, if you can't properly serve the table that you just beautifully designed, then it's not going to mean anything. So I think that function versus experience, those two things need to be uh, hand in hand. That's really the goal is to do both of them. Aesthetics and practicality may both take equal consideration when it comes to restaurant design. But there's another factor that brands need to think about too, the size of their space. With property commanding more of a premium year after year, many business owners find themselves needing to find ways to do more with less. And we've seen plenty of ways brands have achieved this. For some, this means adapting their service model and focusing on table turnover. For others, it's about creating luxury experiences for a higher cost. And for many, it means pushing delivery over table service. But what are some other innovative solutions restaurateurs should keep in mind for future space troubles? The way that people are utilizing spaces today are unique and and innovative in the sense that they're creating multiple experiences within one space. You know, you're creating a cafe and a restaurant, a retail store and a cafe, 
all of the above, you know, we've seen it all. So these sort of combinations of spaces that are sort of mixed in together, you know, a bar that's open all day and transforms from a cafe to a wine bar, say, or the burger place that turns into a cocktail bar. You know, there's there's all these ways that people are utilizing space in different ways. And I think that's a trend that we've seen, but also I don't even know if it's a trend. I think it's just a smart way to design. I think it's a smart way to utilize space, um, especially if uh, you're paying a premium in, in rent every month and you're trying to maximize your operation and your space to, to be profitable. If you have the resources and you have the means to staff it and utilize a space in the morning for a breakfast offering, in the afternoon for a cafe or a, a quick lunch offering, and then also something in the evening, a wine bar or a pizzeria. Again, these sort of really creative uses of the space uh, is definitely a trend, but also just a, a smart way to use space. Finding new ways to maximize space, whether through changing their service offering or finding ways to extend opening hours, seems to be the way forward in helping brands combat rising costs. And as we look to the future, beyond the aftermath of a pandemic and past the cost of living crisis, what will consumers want from food and beverage brands? Choice. I'm bored of the same things. I want to see more different, like, unique things. Lower prices, yeah. I mean, cost of living crisis, it would be nice if restaurants didn't hike everything up, so yeah. More diversity of food, I'd say, so probably a wider range on, on the menu, I'd say, probably one of the main things. More diversity and cheaper costs seem to be on many people's minds. But how can brands drive efficiency to reduce price? And what tools can businesses use to grow their restaurants to offer more choice and enter more markets? Perhaps technology holds the key. Here's Global Head of Unified Commerce at Adyen, Brian Demir, to discuss which technologies he thinks will prove most significant in the years to come. I think there's already a trend line towards the phone being really the primary way in which you're doing a lot in your life. And I think that shift is going to continue in a really profound way in the food and beverage industry. I will add a giant caveat. However, there's the highest end experience that I think is still going to be very human centric. So like take sort of traditional fine dining and, and sort of set that aside for a second. There's all sorts of ways in which that industry is innovating as well. If we take a big step back and ask ourselves, okay, has the phone-based experience really thrived post-COVID or does it still look like the hacky thing that we put in place to survive during COVID? And brands are just now asking themselves that question. And they're going from that critical moment of survival to delighting. And they've seen the value of it but the experience is gonna be very different going forward. And we have a part to play in that at Agile and making the payment experience seamless. And you know, it's as simple as, you know, we've seen implementations of phone-driven flows to like, let's say pay at the end of your meal, where, you know, you go through that sort of, I'm gonna take my phone, you know, my card out of my wallet, I'm gonna enter in the 16 digits and all of that. Whereas we've also seen brands do really, really amazing flows with, for example, Apple Pay and Google Pay and others, where it's simply scan a QR code, opens a quick app, two clicks, face scan, done, right? And I, and I think it's really about that evolution towards the phone being the center of the experience that I think is going to be the most profound trend. 
And that's going to really require brands to focus in on their talent in that area. What underlying providers are they working with? Mobile UX and UI is a totally different thing than something in a broader restaurant, for example. So I think that that's probably the most important trend. So the F&B consumer journey of the future could be more smartphone-centric. But rather than relying on phones to overcome challenges, brands will need to develop the digital experience, using the technology as a common interface with the user rather than a last resort. And of course, once smartphones and computers become part of a brand's sales channels, the potential for unified commerce isn't far behind. So what role might it play in the future? And will it evolve beyond its current state? I think the most interesting thing that we'll watch is the relevance of loyalty and customer identification outside of quick service restaurant. Because the use case there is straightforward, and that whole industry is uh, figuring that out and working towards it, and then using really you know technology like you know agents, universal tokenization, and, and whatnot to implement it. But once other types of brands are able to really connect the dots between their consumers and the different ways that they interact, I think it'll be interesting to watch them try and create more of a sense of loyalty. Um, because it's one thing to go to a quick service restaurant and like be offered, okay, here's your usual order that you get every single morning and here you go, versus the brand that I like a lot and I go every three to six weeks and there's overarching trends. How can brands like that start unifying that experience so that they can offer a more delighting experience to that user? I don't think that there's been a lot of emphasis there and that to me feels like the new frontier of technology being used by those. And that's pretty common that you've got the, in any industry, you've got one part of the industry that is sort of at the tip of the sphere because like the business case is more apparent and like a very, very clear. But then you see the rest of the industry start adapting those capabilities uh, in the context that makes sense for them. Unified commerce looks set to become even more prolific in the F&B space as smartphones and digital channels become more integral to the customer journey. With this, loyalty will also play a bigger role in the experience, acting less as a cherry on top for customer experience and more a key feature. But how else could unified commerce be leveraged beyond offering more channels for customers to make purchases? Apart from loyalty, unified commerce also is about the uberfication of payments, we like to say, which is how can you quickly identify the person and then make payments something that simply happens in the background. And there are some really, really forward-looking brands that have already implemented this, which is as soon as you've identified yourself, whether it's your phone number, a four-digit code in your app, a QR code, it doesn't matter, you put your card on file once, and then in perpetuity, it's not a problem, right? You're going to enjoy your experience, and the payment just simply happens in the background. Now, that's in some ways connected to loyalty, uh, it's more about customer identification, and you can choose to have a loyalty component to that, but that makes for some sense for some brands and not for others. But the quicker we can make the payment experience something that happens in the background, the sooner you can concentrate on the guest experience. And really, I mean, studies have shown that when you do that, uh, the consumer is much more willing to spend more and to have a more robust experience because they're not thinking about the payment, which is happening in the background. Focusing more on the recognition of customers and pushing payments to the background will help make consumer experiences more personalized across digital channels. 
So with this greater understanding of the customer, what sort of business models and partnerships could arise from this technology? Anything around making sense of your data and understanding your consumer. Because I think most brands hadn't yet gone through sort of digital transformation. They hadn't unified their systems. COVID forced a lot of that. Now the next step is, okay, what does my marketing stack look like? Uh, How am I combining data into one place that I can analyze? And I think a very important relationship, I think, for brands to set up is who are they working with around their data? And and, and some brands will bring that in-house, especially the very large ones, and they'll they'll create data capabilities within their organization. Uh, But also, I think there will be a growing set of, of providers out there who really partner with those brands and hyper-focus on the food and beverage industry. And, you know, so many of them just have a lot of data and they need help making sense of it and making business decisions. And I think that's really going to sort of be the next frontier in, in the overall ecosystem. The food and beverage space has seen rapid and dramatic change in recent years. Changing consumer trends throughout the last decade have transformed the customer journey across the in-restaurant and home delivery experience. And whether the industry faces slow and steady societal change or a sudden global disruption, it has the resilience and agility to overcome unforeseen challenges. We've learned how the sector has evolved its understanding and use of space and how brands are integrating physical technologies for better efficiency. And we've heard how F&B brands are maximizing the potential of their spaces, either through a multiple use approach or by adapting the way they interact with consumers. Our experts have also discussed the staffing challenges in the industry, as well as detailed some of the solutions and technologies improving working conditions for employees across the sector. We've also taken a deep dive into the changing consumer trends that have shaped the F&B space and discovered how the sector has evolved to respond to ever-changing demands. And finally, we've looked to the future to imagine how all these adaptations will drive a consumer-first approach to shape the food and beverage sector of tomorrow. You've been listening to Beyond Retail. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed on today's episode, visit adyen.com or follow the link in the show notes. And a big thank you to our contributors, Christophe Delacroix, David Carafano and Brian Demir. Beyond Retail is a production of Lower Street Media in collaboration with Adyen. This season was produced by Ryan Sutton with production support by Daria Lawson. Our sound editor is Alex Bennett. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. We'll see you soon. Hold up. 